thank God for today. We've had really a nice journey looking at the Ten Commandments and the principles behind each commandment. And uh, today now we are looking at the ninth principle. So this is how, how far we've come. All the way, all the principles, and today we are on the ninth principle, the principle of honesty. The principle of honesty. We're going to read just from Exodus 20, verse 16. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 16. The Bible says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Very short statement in the Bible. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Just for the sake of curiosity, why can't you turn to your neighbor and say, my neighbor, do not bear false witness against me? <laughs> All right, are we doing church the village way? Right, well, we have to tell the neighbor and repeat after that. So the Bible says that you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And the principle behind that commandment is the principle of honest. It's simply saying that you have to be honest with your neighbor. You have to be honest in everything that you do. Now, many times we shorten this to, you shall not lie. All right? Many others, they say, okay, the ninth commandment says that you shall not lie. Okay, that's, that's so much the idea about it. That's so much the idea about you shall not lie. Um, but we have to look at the actual commandment, what it says and what it's all about. Um, beyond you shall not lie, what was God or what is God trying to communicate to his people uh, concerning this? What is he trying to say on you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor? Just trying to look at the background of the very, test, uh, the very statement, witness or testimony. You know, in the Jewish ancient time, what it was like, the testimony, actually a witness was the bearer of truth. And the truth was taken so much with so much importance such that if there's just one witness bearing the message, then someone can be justified or someone can be condemned. Now, what used to happen, the serious part about that was, if there is a crime, someone has done maybe a capital offense. The capital offense was like killing someone or pricking someone the eye or, or, or injuring someone such that the wound was fatal and they, they would die. So that was an, a capital offense in that time. And then if there was a witness... Maybe you are called in the, case, in the court of law to answer the case as a witness, someone that saw that happening. And then if you testified lie against that, maybe you saw it and you say that I did not see it happening, or maybe it was an accident, or you, you said it in a way that it's not the way it was. You know, the capital offense, uh, uh, it was paid with death sentence. There was... They hung the person that killed the person, or they, they threw stones at them and, kill, and threw stones until they died. So now, if the person that committed that crime was killed by hanging or was killed by throwing stones at them, also the person that witnessed falsely was killed the same way. He shared in the same penalty, as if you actually killed that person. That's how it was. 
Or if a person stole something, if it was robbery or there was a stolen of property or money, and then that person is found guilty in the court of law or in the council of elders, a witness that we testified against or testified wrongly, if, if, that, if that person who committed the crime was supposed to pay for stealing, even the witness was supposed to share the amount to be paid towards that. Are you getting my point? Even the witness was supposed to pay something towards that. It was supposed to share. If it's one million quarter, uh, the, the person who, who was a criminal or who, was, who stole was supposed to pay 500 quarter, and then you as a witness also you are supposed to pay half the amount. And also another extreme was, if I stand here, we have three people, and I am telling a lie, or I'm witnessing something that is not exactly the same way it happened. And then I am found guilty of being a false witness. You know what happened? I'm going to be charged. There will be a crime, an offense that is going to be given to me, and some amount of punishment to receive. Not only me, also the people, my audience, the people that were listening to my testimony, they also were supposed to be punished for listening to a false testimony. Are you getting the point? That's how the, the law was. That's the rule, and that's, that's how the code was in their time, in the ancient time. Even you who is listening to a false teaching, to a false testimony, to a false sharing, you shared in the offense that, as same as the person that was sharing or was testifying against someone. So now what happened in the Jewish ancient time was that if there is a false witness and somebody feels that mm, what he's saying is wrong, actually people run away. They flee. You have to flee from that because if you are found with a false witness, you are also going to share in their offense. Okay? <laughs> How, how many of us will be guilt-free today <laughs> of, <laughs> of being found with people who are testifying? Now, it's the same as in the court of law when we stand there, we, we, we make an oath. I, I, I confess I'm going to speak only the truth and so God be my help with the Bible in your hand. Is that, that's what they do in court. When you are a witness, you have to swear that I'm going to tell the truth and only the truth and God be my help. And if you have found that you are not telling the truth, you are going to have some punishment because of not telling the truth. So that's how much it was in their time, in this ancient Jewish time. And, and, and also, that's why the Bible says, God came to them and said, you shall not bear false witness, a false witness against your neighbor. Meaning you have to be honest. Now we have to understand that the Bible does not say, you shall not, it doesn't only say that you shall not tell a false witness. It says you shall not bear a false witness against your neighbor. Now we understand bearing, it means spreading. It means carrying it with you. It means going and repeatedly saying it to other people. So it doesn't only talk about on one particular incident. It's talking about even speaking something over someone or against someone in their absence which they did not do or what they are not like. Telling about someone that they are what they are not is actually telling a, a, a false witness, becoming a false witness against that person. 
Okay? It's like carrying a wrong information of a person. It's like carrying and misrepresenting a person to another person. The Bible says, you shall not bear a false witness against your neighbor. Now you might want to ask, who is my neighbor? Is it somebody that is a good person next to our house? Who is my neighbor? Is it a person that... I, I am seated with only today. They could be your neighbors, but we get it so much from Jesus. Jesus was, he started telling them a story of who their neighbor is because Jesus said the greatest commandment says, love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Then the disciples asked Jesus and say, then who is my neighbor? Jesus tells them a story of who their neighbor is. Jesus says that he begins to tell a, a famous story of a good Samaritan and the Pharisees. There was a man that was passing and blah, 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 blah. And one was killed, uh, was injured, was beaten by the robbers and was left almost dying. And then there was a Pharisee that came and also there was a Samaritan that sto stopped by and attended to this person. And then Jesus says that, that he is trying to narrate to them who the neighbor is. And then in conclusion, he says that the neighbor is a person who needs your help. A neighbor is not just a person that you live closer to the, the next door, but everyone that needs your help. Every, every person that you come in contact with and everyone that needs your help is your neighbor. That makes us being neighbors to almost everyone that we come across in life. That makes us to be neighbor, to be neighbors to almost the entire world, isn't it? As long as you come, you come to know somebody, they are, you are a neighbor and they are your neighbor. And the Bible has given you an obligation not to tell or bear false witness against them, to care for them. You know, this is so much about those of you who have attended our welcome to church. There is a part that we say a one another commandment. All right? A one another commandment. Throughout the New Testament, there is one another. Love one another. Care for one another. Um, do, not, do not injure one another. Put one another first. And all this one another in the New Testament is talking about being good to one another, about being a good neighbor to one another so that we can shine and glorify our Father in heaven. So this commandment, it seeks to establish a good working relationship between us and our fellow people. Between us, we know the first four commandments talks about establishing a good relationship between you and God. And the other six talks about establishing a good relationship between you and one another and your neighbor. So this is talking about how they want to live. And God was establishing a civilized society. He had a society in his mind, the society that would be reigned and ruled by, by code, by, by moral laws, by, 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 by principles that will make us to take care of one another. And it says, you shall not bear a false witness against your neighbor. You know, in a civilized society, we look at um, government passing the laws, and, and, and whether they are moral or not, we are obliged, we have an obligation to obey the law, to obey the moral laws that the government pass on. 
okay? There's, there's nothing on that. There's nothing like um, subjective morality, okay? There's nothing like subjective morality on the laws that is passed. And, but if, if everything, like we know from the Christian point of view, that morality is objective, and our object of morality is based on the word of God. The foundation of the moral, moral society and moral life is based on the principles found in the word of God. In the Ten Commandments, how to live well with one another and how to live well with God. So on this particular point, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The Bible is talking about you have to live in harmony. You have to live in peace with one another. You have to take care of one another. You have to look after one another. And you have to be each other's keeper. Like God uh, said to, to, uh, to Cain, where is your brother? And Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> am I my brother's watchman? So much God was saying that, yes, you have to be your, your brother's keeper, your sister's keeper, because there is one another. You should not bear false witness against one another. You have to take care of one another. You have to take care of one another. So that's what God was trying to establish to these people. And this commandment was taken so seriously, such that if you were found with an offense or testifying against truth, it's as good as testifying against God himself. That's how the Jewish people understood. If you are telling a lie against the truth, it's as good as testifying that God did not create the universe. That's how they took it. It's as good as testifying that God, did not, God does not exist. So therefore, there was a punishment towards that, which is not uh, the case today. We have, when we are not being honest, when we are not telling the truth, we are just saying that, yeah, I'm just putting up a front. Isn't that what we say? I'm just putting up a front. I'm just dishing out. It's just an exaggeration. With God, there's nothing like an exaggeration. With God, there's nothing like just passing a joke. When something is not true, there's nothing like a half-truth with God. There's nothing like a half-truth. Half-truth is not truth at all with God. So God is calling us to be a people that will live a righteous life and be honest and be good witness. By the way, God has called us to become witnesses for Christ. Jesus has called us to be a witness. He says that, go therefore to the whole world and uh, preach the gospel to everyone, witness to everyone. And, and in, first, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says that, wait upon the power from on high, wait upon the power of the Holy Spirit, then you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world. So he has sent us to be witnesses for Christ to the entire world. And he has not sent us to speak a half truth. He has sent us to speak the whole truth. And we can only present the truth as it is, become the witnesses for Christ, if we are honest and we carry the word of God with seriousness. Is somebody following the word of God this morning? Are we together? Are we together this morning? So that's what God was trying to say. Just as there is a punishment towards a first testifier in the court of law, just as it is not allowed, so God was saying, even in the moral society, it is not allowed to bear a false witness. It is not allowed to speak down on each other. It's not allowed to call things the way they are not, but God is calling us to have an open life, to speak the truth, and to represent him well in the world today. 
God has called you. We have an assignment, you and I, to speak on behalf of God. We have an assignment, you and I, today, to shine in the truth, in the whole truth, not the half-truth, to speak and call things the way they are as they're supposed to be. I'm reminded um, when I was very young, and there was a time I had 12 friends, and one of my friends um, threw or kicked a ball against our house and blow and, and, and there was and break a glass, a piece of a nice grass, uh, a glass of, of the window of our house. And then I knew dad was not going to spare my friend. I knew it was going to be bad. And maybe there was going to be parents maybe picking a fight or quarreling and they have to replace that. Then I said, mm, it's not me that kicked that ball. It was my friend. So then I said, what do I do? This is my friend. I'm going to defend my friend. So dad came out of the house and said, who kicked the ball against this glass? Who has, who has done this? And everyone was trying to, to point my friend. Then I stood in the way and I said, it was me. That wasn't true, isn't it? I said it was me. I, I wanted to defend my friend. That was good. But was it me that did that? I did not commit that. I, I've just been thinking, suppose I say that it was him, but dad forgive him. Wouldn't it have had a different turn? But I stood in the way, and I said, Dad, it was me that kicked the ball against the glass. Dad looked at me and said, you know how much I protect this, and did you kick the ball? And he was looking in my eyes and said, did you actually kick the ball? And I was like, yeah, I did. You know, that kind of, yeah, I, I did. Did you? And I was punished for that. I really was punished. And I regretted doing that. <laughs> because the punishment that was supposed to go towards my friend came on me and I felt it. I was like, maybe, did he learn of doing that? He came and said, why did you do that? I said, I didn't want dad to punish you or just to pick up a fight with your father. And I wanted to protect our relationship. But I realized that was not true. Right? In trying to protect, but I was supposed to be a good witness to tell the truth the way it was. Have you ever said something the way it was not? I don't want you to lift up your hand and say, oh yeah. But most of the time we find ourselves exaggerating or trying to do good, but you cannot cover uh, a truth with a lie or false witness with something. Even if you want to do it in a good way, you have to speak the truth and also Look and seek to find solution in a way that even pleases God. For me, the punishment came to me and I deserved it, not for defending him, but for not telling the truth. <laughs> and I received all that punishment from that. So that's why God is saying that we have to be good witnesses. We have to testify good of others. Now, I, I just want to carry us through to some of the ways on how we can uh, develop an honest habit in our lives. Just some of the ways, maybe three ways in which we can develop our honest life um, to a greater degree, a greater level that we may not have. Um, and the number one thing is if you want to become honest people and develop that honest habit that God wants us to have, the first thing is that we have to be honest with ourselves. You have to be honest with yourself. Hey, church, you know, today, many people are not so, they don't 
take it so easy on themselves. Look at how many things you blame on yourself for making those decisions. Look at how many things you blame yourself for not looking the way you want to look. People don't take it so easy on themselves. They can love everyone else, but they don't love themselves the same way. You know, God has told us to love our neighbors the same way that we love ourselves. It's very difficult to love someone more without, if you do not love yourself. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. You are as beautiful as God designed you. You are as wonderful as God wanted you to become. You look exactly the way God wanted you to look. You are right where God wanted you to be. You are born in the family where God wanted to be. Whether poor, rich, or spoiled or crazy, or whatever background you have, God wanted you to be there for a reason. There is a reason. You know that God is never taken by surprise. There is nothing that takes God by surprise. He knows everything before time existed. You are not a mistake being born the way you were born. You are not a mistake being born in the family where you were not born, where, where you were born. God wanted you to be there, and there is a destiny ahead of you. You have to carry to take it easy on yourself, because God has a plan and a purpose over your life. You are God's project in progress. You are not yet there. You are not yet there. You are on a journey to greatness. Take it easy on yourself. Take it easy on yourself and allow God to come and just work throughout in your life. And when he's finished with you, the world will look at you and say, wow. Is she the one? Is he the one? Really? Can you do that? We did not know that there's that potential locked up in that particular person. You have to be honest with yourself. And you have to take it easy on yourself. Because God is still working on you. God is still working on you. This might also be one of the most difficult things because there are times when I'm not, I'm, I don't take it so easy on myself. You know, when you have got this and that you want to do, when you have got so much pressure around you, when the world expects so much from you, such that they look sometimes at you as if you are superhuman, <laughs> as if you are extra, extra superhuman. Of course, it would be good to be Mr. Muscle, wouldn't it be? It would be so good to be that superhuman. But we are all on that journey to perfection. We are on that journey to perfection. And, but where you are, where God wants you to be today, you just have to take it easy on yourself and allow God to finish that process he has for you. Allow God to take you on that process uh, until when he, you, you, he realizes the potential you realize. You don't have to give an excuse for the way you look. You don't have to give an excuse for what you do not have, for what you are not yet there. Just submit yourself before the Lord and just be honest with yourself and say, these are my potential, this is where I am. God, I need more of you. We can only get as much as we tap from the Lord. Amen. We can only become as much as we cling ourselves to Jesus. Because the Bible says that we do not yet know how we look. But when we will see Jesus Christ, we shall look like him. We are not yet perfect, but when Jesus shall come, the perfection, when the perfection shall come, we shall be perfect just like Jesus is perfect. But until then, we are on the journey. We are in a process. We are getting there. Say, I am getting there. Say, I am getting there. So we have to be honest with ourselves. You know, if there is a difficult person to help in this world, it's a dishonest person. 
Because you know why I've said that? A dishonest person has got excuses for anything and everything. If somebody turns in a, 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 a wrong report and you say, why did you give that report? They'll, like, they'll, they'll say like, yeah, I know I'm a terrible person. No, I'm not saying that you are a terrible person. I'm saying that you did not present the report the way it was. But a dishonest person will say that before even explaining anything, I'll just say, yeah, I know I am a terrible person, isn't it? That's how I look. Okay, we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest because God wants us to be honest. If we are not honest, we cannot receive a help that we deserve. It's even difficult for God to be able to help dishonest people. It's very difficult. Just imagine you come to God, you have things in your heart and say, God, you know my heart, right? May you do your way in me. God wants you to say, God knows them, but he wants you to say things the way they are. He wants you to say things the way they are. God wants you to have an open life and live an open life before him. You know, the reason why some people, they become dishonest because they are hate. They are so hate. They are so wounded by their past. They have not experienced the healing of God for them. They, they are not yet healed in their heart. And they have to be honest about themselves because they can't face the truth. But when we are able to receive and embrace the truth in us, we are going to be honest because we'll speak the truth the way it is. And that's how God wants us to be. You might be in this house today, and maybe you have past hurt, or you are wounded in your heart. Maybe you have things in your heart, and that changed the way you, you've been. Maybe it, it has made you to compromise. God is calling you to the point of facing the truth and embracing truth in your heart and be a honest person because God's eyes are after you. God wants to touch you. He wants to heal you. He wants to make you that better person because he has created you a better person and he wants you to live to your full potential. Do not allow your past to come and hurt you and change who you are. God is speaking life in you. God wants you to become a better person. Do not allow that voice to say that you are not good. You cannot speak good. You are not beautiful. You cannot say I you are not handsome. You do not have potential. You can. You are nothing. You are meant and mount up to nothing. That's not how God created us. He has created us with potential. And the Bible says that together with God we shall do exploits. And they wait, that wait upon the Lord. They shall renew their strength. You don't have to heed and listen to that voice that is saying that you are not good enough. Just stand your ground and say, I am as good as God has created me. I am a good and a honest person. I'm not a dishonest person. I will be truthful with myself and honest with myself until God finishes doing it in my life. For the Bible encourages us that he who has begun a good work in us shall carry it to completion. Amen. God is taking you to completion. He's not letting you on the way or halfway. So we have to be honest. We have to be honest with one another, with ourselves. We have to be honest with ourselves. And we have to carry it so easy on ourselves. Just pause a minute. What are some of the things? Don't you, have you ever been in a position where You've put so much burdens on yourself, even things that you did not do. Where you blame yourself for so many other things. How are some of the ways in which you are not sometimes honest with yourself? What could be some of the ways in which you may not be so honest 
with yourself. And that may not be so fair. I'm trying to say that let us be fair with ourselves. What are some of the ways in which we are not so fair with ourselves and end up injuring our hearts and end up living and doing something wrong because of some of the things that we convince ourselves that we can be? If we cannot be honest, maybe with the mistakes that we did, being honest also is also to be able to face the truth. When we did something wrong, we are able to humble ourselves and say, I am wrong. I did that thing. I'm not supposed to do that. That's being honest. Sometimes we are human. We end up doing what you did not plan to do. And when you realize that that's not... Be honest with yourself and just humble yourself. The Bible says that... uh, Confess your sins to one another. You know, confessing a sin to one another, it starts with you realizing that I am wrong. You being honest with yourself that I was not supposed to do that. This past week, I offended someone greatly, and I had to take time of reflection and just look in my heart. I'm like, in as much as we shared in that wrong, I was so wrong. That was so wrong of me to do that and say that person, to act the way, to take that action to that person. And I had to take time. You know, sometimes it's so difficult to be forgiven. It takes time and process, and you want it to come so quickly, but you have to be just patient. And I've been so patient and trying to, and asking for forgiveness throughout. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. So it starts with being honest with yourself and say, that was not good of me. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. Okay? It's not just about being a false witness to someone. It's also about being a true witness to yourself and say, that's not like a child of God. That's not what I'm supposed to say. That's not what I'm supposed to be. God is calling us. If we can become honest and, and true witnesses for Christ, we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be easy on ourselves. We have to recognize wrongs and mistakes in ourselves and renounce them and allow God to come and bring and minister healing to our hearts. May God help us as we do that. May God help us as we do that. The second thing that we have to be to develop that attitude or habit in us is that the number two thing is that we have to be honest with others. We have to be honest with others. Be honest with yourself. And the second thing is that be honest. We have to be honest with others. Have you been talking to someone and the person say, well, to be honest with you? You, you are chatting with someone and then a person says, well, to be honest with you? Doesn't that bother you? A person says to be honest with you? Uh, <laughs> here is another one. You are chatting with a person, and then a person says, you know what, I'm going to be honest with you right now. What does that make them? You're like, come on, how about all this time? (laughs) All right, how about all this time? You're saying that I'm going to be honest with you right now. You're looking them, you know, we say putting up a front, right? (laughs) Like guessing. I'm going to be honest with you right now, or to be honest with you. This... (laughs) If I were you, most of us have that. It's just, like, it's just like a saying, isn't it? I'm going to be honest with you right now. It's like just an expression. Some of you might even have that as an expression. But we have to change that because you don't want to say that sometime 
Now I'm going to tell you a lie. Like now, you know what? To be honest, I'm going to tell you a lie. Just like you cannot say that I'm, I'm, not, I'm going to tell you a lie. You cannot say that I'm going to be honest with you right now. Okay? Because God is calling us to live a honest life. And we have to be honest through and throughout our lives. We have to be honest. It has to be a process. Not, I'm going to be honest with you right now. And it makes people to think like, so this fellow has not been so honest with me. Now he's trying to become, to be honest with me right now. Um, <laughs> we don't want to say that I'm going to tell a, last, a lie right now. Or oh, I've been honest, but now I'm going to lie just a little bit. Do we say that? <laughs> it just flows, isn't it? <laughs> so we have to live a honest life. Um, God doesn't take this so easily when we are not honest with others. Just like in James chapter 5, verse 16, the Bible says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. For a prayer of a righteous man has got power to heal, has got power to do wonders. So when we are honest with others, we are going to represent the life that Christ has uh, structured for us. Okay? We are going to live a life that is pleasing and, and that is uh, pleasing to God and one another. You know, the Bible says, therefore confess your sins to one another. This is God speaking through James. Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Why didn't the Bible say, confess your sins to God? Why did the Bible say, confess your sins to one another? In James chapter 5, verse 16. Not confess your sins to God. To God only. And remember, when you are confessing your sins to God, it has to be under your breath. All right? You know how we speak under your breath? God, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right? It, it has to be under your breath. You don't have to have a mic on that time when you are confessing to God. Confess your sins to God under your breath in your, in your most secretive or secret place. Under your breath. Make sure no one hears and make sure you don't have a microphone on. Confess your sins only to God. Why was it not like that? Why did the Bible say, what does the Bible say? Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. The Bible is trying to encourage us to be honest with one another. To be honest with one another. If I have offended my brother, I shouldn't go to God first to confess, isn't it? I have to come to you and say I am sorry for doing things that way. I felt like I didn't, I was so hard on you. Why would I be hard on you? Then I go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I was so hard on you. I was so hard on The Bible says we have to settle the bills with one another. Then go back to God and ask him to perfect us and wash us so that we do not repeat the same things. That's the procedure, isn't it? We have to be honest with one another and confess our sins with one another. Not under our breath to God and no one should hear. And we have to be a people that are honest with one another. The word of God is bringing a honing towards not being one another. Because if we are not honest with one another, we are going to be a broken community. We are not going to live life together. And the last thing is that if we are going to be honest people or good witnesses for Christ, we have to be honest with God. Honest to yourself, honest with one another, and be honest with God. We have to be honest with God. 
What do I mean by being honest with God? Have you ever done something and you go to God and you want to say, God, I'm sorry? But you know how you do? You, sub, maybe it's not you. I remember doing this some years back. Like, God, I am sorry. You know, sometimes I'm human. <laughs> Have you ever prayed that prayer? Lord, I'm human. Sometimes I just fall short of my strength and do things that I'm not supposed to do. I am sorry. And meanwhile, you blasted that somebody. Why not going to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I spoke it out. I blasted. Maybe I punched someone. God, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I know I'm becoming so good at punching people. I am not supposed to be like that. I'm so sorry. That's being honest with God, isn't it? Like, oh God, I'm so sorry. It just came out of me. So wrong of me. I'm becoming so good at insulting people. And I'm not supposed to be good at doing what is evil. That's being honest with God, isn't it? Say things the way it is. If you feel like God has forsaken you, God is away from you, and you're like, you, why not going to God and say, God, why are you so far away? I feel so far away. I feel so forsaken. Jesus was honest with God. On the cross, he said, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? He didn't say, father, sometimes this happened, but it's not so good. Okay? <laughs> Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? He felt forsaken. He felt lonely. Jesus was also at other point so honest with God in the garden of Gethsemane, where he said, father, let this cup Pass away from me. It's so heavy and unbearable. Let it pass away from me. But he understands, say, not my will, O Lord. Let your will be done in me. We have to be so honest with God and tell things the way they are. Okay? How do you think that makes God feel when you come to him and, and, and say things the way they are not? Meanwhile, he saw it before you did it. And when you are being tempted by the devil, and by the time you are gone, you know, it was the same with Cain. Cain was was developing that hatred, that envy in his heart. And God knew where it was going to lead him. And God came and warned him, watch, watch, watch your doors. The devil is running, is crawling, is so cunning and climbing to you. He wants to win you, but to overcome him. Shun the evil, all right? God saw it. And then you know what happened when Cain did it, finally killed his brother? God said and said, Cain, what have you done? Where is your brother? And then Cain said, am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where he is. He moves, he's a human being, a grown-up man. Am I my brother's keeper? Meanwhile, days or years back, God warned Ken for what was coming ahead of him. And then when it was time for Ken to confess, he said, am I my brother's keeper? Instead of saying, God, I'm sorry, I killed my brother. God had to tell Ken that, why is it that the soil has rejected your brother's blood? I can feel it crying to me, it's coming up to me. Then Ken was broken. Okay, before the Lord. And, but he was not repentant, and you know what followed. So we have to be honest with God. Let us go to God with a humble and repentant heart, with a broken heart, and turn to the Lord our God. For God wants us to be a people that have a working relationship with God. He wants us to be people that have a working relationship with one another. You may mess up sometimes, that's fine. But if you run back to God, God is going to carry you through the process until when you are perfect and strong to overcome temptations. John says that if we say we are without sin, then we are liars and the truth is not in us. If we say that we are all perfect and we do not offend others, we do not offend ourselves and offend God at some time, he says that we are liars and the truth is not in us. But he says, you know what he says, what is very important, if we confess our sins, 
is righteous and faithful to forgive us and sanctify us. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with one another. We have to be honest with God.